Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we are. Sorry for the lateness. Uh, the Patriots, as you can imagine, we're not super eager to get to the podium and explain away uh, what is going to go down as one of the m- most embarrassing losses in New England Patriots history, but certainly playoff history. Um, you know, this was this was one point worse than Super Bowl twenty, which was a forty-six to ten final until the Patriots got one late to make it forty-seven seventeen, but. Again, anyone who watched it knows uh, what happened tonight. Um, the Patriots weren't able to stop the Bills at any point in time. Seven straight possessions, seven straight touchdowns. Uh, and this was a shocking performance. We'll get into a lot of it. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, not just this game, but this year, the Patriots, whether they made any real progress this year. Uh, but Evan, let's just start with the game. Uh, are you – I don't know that any of us predict – I just didn't – I don't think anybody saw this coming. No, no. I mean, we, we picked the game the other day and, and I picked the Bills to win, but I actually picked the Patriots to cover and keep this thing close. And I think what we saw here tonight was reality. Reality setting in for the Patriots and that Bill Belichick in one off season by drafting a quarterback in the first round and adding some pieces in free agency, wasn't going to wave some magic wand and fix absolutely everything and build Rome back up to a great empire in one day. And I think that is what really set in for me because look, while I'm watching this unfold and I'm watching everybody uh, just Everybody on the Patriots roster from top to bottom outside of maybe Mac Jones, who I did think came to play early on in this game on that opening drive and was one of the few people that looked like they wanted to compete tonight with the Buffalo Bills because I think a lot of people on this roster looked like they were ready for an early vacation. But everybody just watching the pregame warmups, watching the energy of the two teams, watching the what this game felt like meant for the Buffalo Bills compared to the Patriots. The Patriots felt like a team here tonight, in my mind, that was just happy to be here. That felt like they had solidified their season and put a bow on their season by making the playoffs. And nobody truly expected them to be able to do that, maybe to a degree. But I think most importantly, nobody truly expected them to go on any sort of run in the playoffs, whereas the Bills are here. They are a now team. They are a team that is right in the middle and right in the prime of their Super Bowl window uh, on the end of Josh Allen's rookie contract here. And they are a team that is championship robust. And the Patriots simply are not of that class yet in this 
new era of New England Patriots football. So when I originally started to come up with my my takes and my opinions on this game, I was talking about looking inward and having internal discussions about the coaching staff, talking about how out talented personnel-wise they are everywhere against a lot of teams and not just against so Bills. That's how far – that's the thing that's going to stand out the most is um, – how far away the Patriots were last year comes into light. Actually, when you see how this year finished with a really good draft and a, and an influx of a, a lot of high priced, you can, you can debate whether or not uh, all the free agent signings performed at or near expectations, but they brought in a lot of players to up their talent level this yeah. year and whether or not you think that they hit and obviously there were some big misses in there it did raise the overall level of play of this team significantly and they're still nowhere near the top teams in overall talent that's how that's how like big a mountain the patriots had to climb uh from where they were two years ago that team was maybe the least talented roster in football and they're still in probably the bottom third just in terms of raw overall talent um and it's hard not to look at this and say the season was a success. They made the playoffs, which is great. Some people weren't sure that they would with a rookie quarterback, which half the people thought this would be Cam Newton for half the season. And maybe Mac comes in late. So you can check those boxes, but the bigger question, and we talked about it offline briefly is whether or not you feel like they're trending in a positive direction. This isn't yeah. a team where you look around and you say, Oh, young player here, young player here, this receiver is going to develop and be great. They've got these up and coming weapons year two, year three, they'll have breakouts. There's actually not a lot of that there. And so you look at the roster and there's still an insane amount of questions and to have it end so spectacularly, I think it, I don't know if it completely uh, undoes all of the good that happened this season, but it comes pretty close. Yeah. I, I have a couple of things to say about the talent and personnel discussion. The first thing is I think you have to look at the coaching from a big picture perspective, more so than from an X's and O's scheme. They got blown off the field today. They were blown off the just field. out talented in every facet. You're I don't right. care what, it didn't look like what they were, game plan, like they were playing what different X's sports. And O's. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what buttons Bill Belichick pushes when you get absolutely <laughs> demolished like no that. maybe it go does, for it, it on fourth down though when you recognize yeah, the team's gonna score every time but that's fine separate the bigger rants. problem that, that i have from from the perspective in coaching is the lack of energy the lack of execution the lack of attention to detail uh but most importantly the lack of urgency and energy that this team has had for a month plus now not just tonight but over the last four or five weeks right Coaching is not just about what buttons you push and which the X's and O's and the game plan and the film study and the corrections and the, and the field coaching practice. Coaching is also about gauging the team, right? And, and, and being able to lead uh, the team as a, as a bigger picture. And I, I just don't think that this staff really had a great pulse on this team down the stretch, which I think is something that is really important to look at and monitor uh, here moving forward now talent wise I think the biggest thing that you see is every single week uh, the Patriots are the slower team and the, in terms of team speed and, and the Patriots are outgunned from a from a skill position perspective and I am not a big 
oh, they need a wide receiver one guy. Like, I, I don't – I think that you can build teams in other ways. I think we talked about this. We just want a nice little are... slot guy. We want a Hunter yeah. Renfro. That's all we want. Yeah. We need yeah. a – there's other position groups that are just as important, and, and, you know, you can't win with just great wide receivers and nothing else. But I look at all these other teams, not only in the AFC playoffs, but all these teams the Patriots have even played recently. Like, even last week with Miami, uh, with Tua, he's got Jalen Waddle, right? Jalen Waddle is his guy. You know, it's not only just his guy from Alabama, but also a guy that he can go to with the football. You see uh, Josh Allen, he's got Stephon Diggs, even though Stephon Diggs didn't have some monster game out here today because Stephon Diggs is the number one guy that draws J.C. Jackson and draws safety help and draws the, the game plan in the number one corner on the opposition. It allows Isaiah McKenzie to go off. It allows Gabe Davis to go off. It allows Dawson Knox to go off. And I think the Patriots have a lot of those players checked I think that Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, I think those guys are your McKenzie's and Davis's and Knox's and those types of players. Yeah, but you need the your problem, digs, right? Right. The problem is they don't have they don't have the number one guy. And, and without that number one guy, the rest of the pecking order just doesn't fit into the right slot. You're, everybody's punching above their weight, and that's why it feels like their offense is, at times, especially in the passing game, is so difficult. To, yeah. to put together plays and, is because everybody is punching above their weight. And it's difficult to, and it's difficult to hit even when you do spend money. Uh, some people were upset that the Patriots spent that money on Nelson Aguilar, not thinking that he was a number one guy. Who were the other names out there? Corey Davis, eh, Curtis yeah. Samuel, barely saw the field. Will Fuller didn't play at all. Those were the other sexy names out there among receivers that you wanted to go out and, and potentially throw money at. So it, it it wasn't a solvable issue in free agency. The problem is having missed on so many drafts uh, or not spent enough at that position uh, that there's just nothing in the pipeline here. And again, you know, Neil Nikhil Harry played what's probably his last game. He suited up over uh, Wilkerson tonight. Didn't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he did. Um, but, but I mean, I don't know if he did anything, but I mean, that's yeah. it. It's just, it's a position that's, that they, that they've neglected. Uh, and you know, Rome's not built in a day. You're not just going to, you know, go ahead and fix it all in one shot, but. Yeah. If I had to put the number one, most important thing that they have to do in the off season is they got to go get McAdoo. They got to go get him. his Stefan Diggs. They got to go get him his Jamar chase, his Tyree kill. I mean, just go right. His AJ Brown, just go right down the whole AFC playoffs, go down the whole NFC, uh, all the teams in the NFC playoffs. Every single one of those teams has a go-to guy for their quarterback, has a dude, has a blue chipper, whatever you want to call it, has a number one receiver uh, for those guys to go to. And the Patriots don't have one of those. And, and that's a big problem. I, I thought Kendrick Bourne uh, was one of the few guys that came to play today and, and made some plays and, and still played throughout the whole game, even though they were down uh, by multiple scores. I think he's a player that fits uh, your program, fits what you want, fits what you want to do, what you, what, what you represent in terms of effort and energy and all those types of things. But Kendrick Bourne's a number three receiver on a good team. He's not a number two. He's not. A, he's certainly not a number one. Right. And so you're just talking about pecking orders. You're talking about, uh, you know, demanding coverage. You're talking about game planning and how teams scheme against you and all these types of things. And it's just none of it is there. And I, I, the one thing that I would point to 
from a big picture perspective with the coaching is that the Patriots brought in John New Smith and Hunter Henry to be driving forces in their offense. And maybe they misevaluated from a front office perspective, how effective those players were truly going to be going to be in their offense but Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry uh, leave the game today with four total targets amongst the two of them Johnny yep. Smith had one target and the Patriots yeah. evaluate from a from backwards like forwards like what I mean by that is the playoff game is your final exam in Bill Belichick's mind so that's the most important game of the season uh, for everybody not just us but for for Bill too so he's going to look at it and see and say what did you do in December what did you do in the playoff game that is your that's like 75% of their evaluation of a player. And Johnny Smith, they felt so little of Johnny Smith at this point that he had one target in their playoff game. They paid him $16 million this year to have one target in their playoff game. And as much as, much as I can sit here and say that Johnny Smith wasn't the guy I thought he was going to be and all that kind of stuff from a, a player perspective, from a coaching perspective, they needed to find ways to get him the football. We, we've been begging for it all season long. They needed to be more creative. They needed to be less predictable and, and a little bit less traditional uh, with how they were using Johnny Smith and find ways to get him into space with the football in his hands. And they were unable to do that all season long. And that's why you go out there and you spend a combined $30 million on two tight ends and they have one catch in your playoff game. And again, this is a $13 million cap hit next year with Janu and 26 million in dead cap. So you are stuck with this and yes. you were that you were able to do nothing with nothing with this year. That again and we'll spend a lot of time after tonight on the offseason Evan um and looking doing an autopsy of the team and a position by position breakdown. Uh, the Smith is not the reason they lost this game, but that's such a colossal miss um that that's it, gonna it, well, it's not it's not the reason why they lost this game in the vacuum but in, in, a, in a lot of senses it is the reason why they lost this game because, because you didn't you that wasn't a thing that you could use instead it was right to keep pace you, you couldn't keep pace with the with the you spent 16 offense. million dollars for nothing and when you just yeah. needed you needed something out there to be able to yeah you needed those there. two guys to be a yeah. big part of this passing game and they just they weren't they weren't yeah. And Hunter Henry was at times, and he was the red zone guy. But they went out there tonight against the Bills. The Bills so were double teaming Hunter Henry inside the twenty every single time they were in the red zone. They passed the football. They doubled Hunter Henry, and there was pretty much Bourne finally started to pop so, off and make some plays late. It's interesting because there's no everyone knows the conversation is going to go there because um, uh, you know offense is sexy. Uh, you know, even though you know this game has as much to do with defense. Uh, much more to do with the defense and the just total inability to stop the Bills. But the reason we talk about this is because you see the Bills and you're like, that's what I want to be, you know? You and you see wanna, you know, every once in a while, the offense got to put up some points to keep pace with good with another good offense. Like the defense, look, they play like te- terrible tonight, but they were also down Jalen Mills. You've been down Jonathan Jones for half the season. Clearly the hold with Miles. No, Bryant. they were banged up. They, they had a long, they had a tall pass. Right. Christian Barmore is limited with a very severe injury from Duggar's wearing a cast. Kyle Duggar is wearing a club on his hand. So the defense is all banged up. You're going up against an elite quarterback in Josh Allen. Uh, Your offense has to score some points. Your offense has to be able to, to match and and dictate terms a little bit here in this game and, and control pace and take the game over a little. And they weren't able to do that. They just weren't able to do that. And defensively, 
they have a lot of issues, I, I think, with their depth. I think some of their top-end players, I think Matthew John's a better player than he played, like, for the last month. I think Christian Barmer's going to be a stud player in this league. I think Kyle Duggar is a really good player. And if I was them, I don't know if I would back up the Brinks truck for J.C. Jackson. But I'd but you have no I'd choice now. You have no anyway. choice. You have no choice. Yeah. yeah. You have to, yeah, you have to pay JC Jackson, but the uh but when it comes to the other stuff, where is the failing there? Is the failing in the front in the in the in 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 the selection of the players? The, the Aguilar, the John O'Smith, well, or is can... the failure or is the failure in the people not able yeah. to or that's the thing is Bill is all of it. Bill Bill Bill's all of it there. You can put yeah. so much on McDaniels, you know, for not, you know, scheming things up the right way to get the guys involved, but it's still Bill. So like which part of Bill failed? The guy who looked at those guys and thought that's what I need, or the guy who wasn't able to make it work when they got here? I think it's all of the above. I think in a lot of ways. Look, Alex and I have been talking on, on Patriot Speed about cornerback depth since training camp mainly because we knew that Stephon Gilmore was not going to be here long term, right? And we've been talking about outside corner, outside corner, outside corner. They have no depth there. They have no depth. Now, you can look at that and say Bill should have recognized that they had no depth, but you could also look at it and say, well, Big Bill took Jawan Williams in the second round in 2019, and that was supposed to be your guy. That was supposed to be your guy to take over for Jason McCourty or be the number two corner behind J.C. Jackson when Stephon Gilmore moved on. And once they had to turn to Jawan Williams, he couldn't play, can't hang. So you look at that and you say, well, what, you know, is it talent? Is it drafting? Is it uh, build a GM? Is it build a, the coach? Uh, who knows which one that one really falls under. But the point being is that the Patriots – relied on Jawan Williams to be their depth and Jawan Williams never rose to that occasion. So on the one hand, you kind of blame the 2019 draft and you look at that and you say that was a turning point for this organization because Nikhil Harry busts Jawan Williams, busts Chase Winovich, healthy scratch for a playoff game. I think we can put him in the bust category at this point, just in terms of his translation to this system. I think he can play football, but he's not yep. necessarily going to play football here. Ooh, you, you look at that. Yeah. Uche, same sort of thing, I think, in a lot of ways, is Winovich. And whether this is talent evaluation, whether it's uh, using them, how, how they're utilized in the system, it's all the same guy. <laughs> so yeah. it, I, I can't really put We pulled up Damian Harris, but then you get Ramondre Stevenson a year late, a couple of years later, and right. that's also fine. But right, I mean, that 2019 is obviously will will live in infamy. Uh, but yeah, I I mean, just tons and tons of problems. And now, again, you look at needs, you need an alpha receiver. You might need a left tackle. You need at least a retain J.C. Jackson and, pot, and, 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 and a considerable amount of cornerback depth to go along with it. You need to find a way to get younger and faster in that defense because that's continuing to be a problem. Uh, they're just slow. They're slow. They're, the, the, the other better teams are just faster than they are. They just, um, the other better teams on both sides of the ball, whether you want to look at it as the Bills' offense or the Bills' defense, they have more explosive players than the Patriots do in both sides of the football. And where I really look at this, and I think a lot of even old-school talent evaluators or old-school coaches that don't necessarily believe in all the analytics and all this kind of stuff – that just evaluate raw roster talent and, and scheme and things like that. Look at 
the middle linebackers of these two teams. You look at Buffalo's middle linebackers and Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, and you look at Dante Hightower. Bentley and Hightower, right. It's not close which ones are the more athletic players and which ones are better suited to play in the game now. In the 2021 iteration of the NFL, it's not even close. And I, I just think that you have to look at the Mike linebacker position in particular is often one that sort of dictates the speed and the pace of your entire defense. And right now the Patriots have two plotters, uh, two thumpers at those two spots. And uh, it just, there needs to be some systemic changes in the way that they think. And I, I, I get what Bill is going for. I think in a lot of ways he's saying, okay, you're going to play nickel defense. You're going to put all these pass game guys out on the field. You're going to put all this speed and you're going to sacrifice size. So I'm going to build a bully. I'm going to build a bunch of physical players. I'm going to build a running game. I'm going to build. I just don't think that works. I don't understand it. I I don't, I understand the. I understand the zag. I do. But I think the problem with the zag is that the rules, the way that the game is played nowadays. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't line up with where the league you're doing it for uh, a sport you that you're doing it for a version of this sport that doesn't exist anymore and and that's where the question is is i this bills had success doing this before okay everyone values this i'm going to put my emphasis on this and i'm going to create matchup problems here i'm going to create you know a mark you know that's going to be my advantage. Everyone wants the outside receivers. I'm going to get the little slot guys and tight ends. And then everyone's going to, whatever, everyone's going here. I'm going to put 60 backs on the field. Now I'm going to get it, but going big and slow doesn't work. It doesn't work. As you said, the game has changed. It doesn't work because of the way that the game is officiated, the way that the game is set up for offenses nowadays. And if you're going to be an offense, that's going to run through your running game and run through passes to tight ends and slot receivers that might be efficient in terms of completion percentage and stuff like that, but aren't explosive, then that's the concern, right? There's not enough explosion to the offense. And that was my worry with a pick like Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the type of quarterback that you needed 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Now Mac Jones has to be, I'm not saying I actually liked a lot of things with Mac tonight and he has a good compete level. And I thought he, he tried, he, he, he showed up tonight. He didn't have a perfect game by any means. But, um, again, it, the game has changed. And you see so many quarterbacks playing, you know, backyard ball right now. Um, and just the, the, amount yeah. of pl- the amount of plays that they can make. Uh, and you're just very limited in what you can do. And you've started it with the most important position. And then you have to build a perfect scheme around that to be able to do, you know, uh, you know. I'm not everything. concerned about Mac at all. I the play that he made to Hunter Henry today, uh, 30-yard throw on third down, where he breaks the Jerry Hughes' sack attempt, gets out of the pocket, makes a throw on the move to Hunter Henry. Yeah, down he the can field. make some plays, but, I mean, could he make he, the play Josh, Josh Allen made? He's not supposed to make that play. He's not yeah. supposed to make that play, though. That's what everybody tells me all the time, is that Mac can't make that specific play in the NFL, that whether it was the draft evaluation or whether it's still now. Everybody wants to talk about arm talent and mobility and all these things, and Mac can't do it. Well, then Mac has did it against the number one defense in the NFL. So which one is it? Can he do it or can he not do it? Now, it doesn't I mean, there's a difference between it, doing something once and being able to and having something but, in your bag I, that you can I've do it consistently. I've seen him do it multiple times. Yeah, I've seen right. him do it multiple times. And, and yeah. I, I think that he does enough of the out-of-structure stuff to survive off script. I do. Now, do I think that he – I think that the concern that you have and you hope that maybe you can develop it 
uh, let the arm strength come later on in his career once he gets his body up to NFL speed and once he works on some of his mechanics stuff and stuff like that. But I think that one concern that I've always had with him is that when he has to drive the football in down the field on a line, can he do that? And right. I, I, th- I, I thought that Mike Hyde interception was a, a fantastic, ridiculous play by Mike Hyde and B wasn't, really the best play if at anything close to the best play uh by nelson aguilar who definitely could have uh, gone up and tried to fight for that football instead of letting it fall in the bread basket instead sure. but at the same time it hung up there. there that throw was there a little bit right like you have uh the corner bites on the double move it's single high safety uh if you can really rip that ball in there then it's a, then it's a touchdown uh, but it, because he can't necessarily uncork it completely he needs Nelson Aguilar to go ahead and make a play on the ball at the catch point rather than sitting there and waiting for it to fall in his lap. I, I have some concerns about that. I do. But in reality, I I just really don't think that it's a major thing. Like, I, I think that there's so many things that he does well enough. I think that there's so many things that he does that I wasn't even expecting. Like, like I said, that play to Henry, I... I'd never in a million years thought that Mac would be able to make a, a play like that, honestly, at this level based off of what we saw at Alabama. But he was really able to do it uh, all his rookie season, pretty much make plays like that. So I don't know. It's 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 really I like I, like I said, I like Mac. I'm using it as an example of the evolution of the game and what Bill continues to think that it is. Uh, doesn't mean that That's he didn't fair. find a diamond in the rough in Mac. I'm simply saying he is he is another player indicative of the 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 Patriots world's view of how football is played or how it should be played which is a guy who can process quick and make the quick throws and do all of the things that stuff is great you know um but as you see most of the next gen guys right now are different caliber and a different breed of quarterback and that's kind of where some of the game is going right. maybe it comes back to this i don't i don't necessarily know but we're just talking about as the game continues to evolve uh, are the patriots evolve and bill belichick evolving along with it um and in the roster construction it's hard to say that the answer is yes right now I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. That's where we talk about it all the time is that if you're going to build an offense around a quarterback like this, it's, it's a winnable formula. It's a productive formula. But you need great receivers and really good offensive line of protection. You need, you need to look like San Francisco. Yeah. You need to have guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle and <laughs> right. Elijah Mitchell, who's their running back that runs like a 4.140. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. These guys that when with some scheme, with some trickery from Kyle Shanahan, with some ability to get those guys with the ball in space and Jimmy G just being a distributor within that system, 
when Jimmy G plays, they're like a top five offense in the NFL, right? When he's healthy and he's out there and he plays, they're like a top five offense in the NFL. There's no doubt about it that Mac Jones can do what Jimmy G does in San Francisco. But Mac Jones needs a Debo Samuel. He needs a George Kittle. He needs the pieces around him. Right now, the Patriots have a bunch of guys that don't create a ton of man-to-man separation and don't create a ton of explosive plays on their own. It's not like they can go out there and, and you know throw a seven-yard pass to Debo Samuel and have him take it 70 yards to the house. They don't have a single guy on the team that comes close to that. They don't. Maybe they don't. Kendrick Bourne, but even he's we're stretching. So th- those are the types of guys that I, I have. I have no concerns whatsoever uh, about Mac Jones being able to lead a productive offense. He had the number 10 scoring offense in the NFL this year as a rookie. So I have no concerns. He played a very, very good rookie season with no Pro Bowl wide receivers, no 1,000-yard wide receivers, a bunch of guys that were undrafted, uh, you know, tight ends that were probably overpaid in the offseason a little bit by Bill. And then he went out there and had a very, All very of this good is year. true. All of this is true. I think Mac Jones was your best player on offense. I don't even think it's close. For all of his flaws, the one thing you feel good about is Mac's development and the fact that the kid gets it. It's really more a matter of ceiling is all I'm talking about because you see what the position has evolved into, and you're right. It has to be – the fear was it has to be perfect around a quarterback like that or he has to be perfect in order for you to be able to get to another level versus some of the big-time playmakers that you're seeing with a lot of other people with the really – who are able to make those throws, can drive the ball, the bigger arms, the mobility. Again, he doesn't possess those things, so it's got to be all up here and it's got to be with the weapons surrounding it. He didn't have him this year. I'm confident if you put a ton more around him, he'd be able to do a lot more. The arm strength is a thing, though, um, that he has to get in better overall. He's, his body's got to get yeah. into it. He, he has to put in a lot of work this offseason if he, uh, to if get he his needs body to right. absolutely carry the team then i agree that he needs to make a jump with his arm strength and get a little yeah. bit more zip on the ball but at the end of the day i i truly believe that they still believe and hope that they can build a team that is suited to his a little strengths. bit more non-quarterback centric right like just a little bit less on the qb than what some of these other teams will do and then hopefully you know in four or five years in a similar trajectory obviously not on the same level or to the same greatness of brady but on a similar trajectory of okay once we get into the oh five oh six oh seven iteration of tom brady that's when the team really became about him and they built the team really around him as the quarterback and had him carry the team right now the patriots want to be the 2001 Patriots they want to be a team that is carried by everything else and then the quarterback sprinkles in just enough here and there and in clutch moments to be able to bring the team over the hump I think one of the things that was really interesting about what Mac Jones said after the game was he needs to work on his leadership and I I thought that that was really interesting because I think it was a good self-evaluation on his part because of what we saw out here tonight. Mac looked ready to play. Mac was making good throws down the field. I know we can nitpick the Nelson Aguilar in, in the Micah Hyde interception, but the ball was catchable. The ball we like the a way decent spot. the way the game was the game the way the game started, and you wonder also yeah. if Brandon Bolden comes up with that play and the Patriots put points on that first drive. Yeah. How does it change? But I was thrilled that the Patriots decided we're not going to just you know three yards in a cloud of dust and just hand it to Damian Harris and do the 50 yard, you know, run 50 times again, this game, they put the ball in his hands and he was making plays and being aggressive and trying to make throws. So I was, I, I was encouraged by that. 
Yeah, Hunter Henry on third down, the one I just was talking about. Yeah. He makes that play on the opening drive. They, I, <laughs> I watched the sideline after Brandon Bolden dropped the uh, the ball down the field because that is a game planned scheme play, right? They they drew that up on the whiteboard going into the game, saying we're going to put this in the opening script. I'm sure they practiced it all week long to flood the zone with the back out of the backfield and hit that play down the field, and they get exactly the look that they want. They get it they get the ball, a catchable ball to Brandon Bolden and he puts it on the turf and then you watch him put the ball on the turf. And then you watch Nelson Aguilar show zero compete whatsoever at the catch point on the Micah Hyde interception. I think he and was I'm, surprised Hyde got there. I think he thought that was dropping yeah. right into his arms, but, but my, my, my base, my, my point here is, to go back to the leadership with thing with Mac is he said that he needs to, figure out from a leadership perspective how to bring the rest of the team with him and how to elevate the rest of the team along with himself. Because I think from an energy perspective, from a focus perspective, I think Mac Jones is ready to play tonight. The other guys weren't ready to play and he's the leader. He's the quarterback. He's the one that's supposed to set the tone and set the uh, just energy and, and, and the focus and all that type of stuff. And he wasn't been a, he wasn't able to do that. So I think that that's a, a th- something that he definitely needs to work on in terms of his maturity and his leadership and all that kind of stuff. And I, although he wouldn't say it directly, I think over the last month or so, we have definitely heard a Mac Jones admit that he was bogged down and overwhelmed and maybe a little bit, that whole rookie wall thing. I I'm not a huge believer in that usually, but I think for a quarterback, it's definitely very real. I think the amount of information the amount of work on his plate, the fact that really since last football season, because he played in the national championship game that he's getting ready for the draft then he gets drafted, then he gets right into rookie mini camps and all these things like that time and time and time and time. And I think all of that's by this point in the season started to weigh on Matt Jones. And I think that he ran into a little bit of a rookie wall, no, no doubt about it. And not necessarily about uh, in terms of like, oh, he, you know, lost his zip on his fastball or his reads weren't as crisp or anything like that. But more so the fact that just from an energy, from a work standpoint, right, he just he just ran out of gas, I think, down the stretch here a little bit. I think so too. And again, I, I don't think Mac was the problem. I don't think Mac is the reason they lost tonight. Like I said, you just get Josh Allen envy looking over on the other sideline and see all of the things that he can do. And when the elite tool kit meets to be fair, to be fair, the Josh Allen developmental track is one that is very, very, very rare in the NFL. I know. Like for every Josh Allen, there's a, Jake Locker for every Josh Allen. There's a Blaine Gabbert. Like those guys had all the tools had all these things uh, that Josh Allen has. And he, to his credit has developed into an MVP caliber. And it's very likely two or three of the guys drafted this year who are also very toolsy are not going to pan out. You don't know what you're going to get out of Lance and Fields and Zach Wilson. Yeah. I think guys like Mahomes and Allen and Herbert to a degree as well have sort of ruined it. Like, is like those guys it happen and, and it's all coming together. Somebody like Josh Allen, who was so inaccurate and so mechanically flawed in college, the fact that he has been able to develop and flip that switch in the NFL is yeah. borderline unheard of. Like this just right. doesn't happen with these types of things. Most I, of the time, it's I think it's in, the beginning of Blaine Gabbert. 
I think it hasn't happened. I think it will continue to happen because I think that's where the game is going. It's not being a running back isn't sexy anymore. Um, you, you're a dime a dozen. You only get one contract in the league for most of you. So I think just more athletes are playing at the quarterback position than were before. And you're just going to continue to see that turnover where that position is just going to go to athletes more than it has in the past. But you're right. Historically, you haven't seen guys. You see guys struggle to put it all together. But when the elite tools meet, high-level play, you see what you've seen from Allen against the Patriots the last two times out, and you're like, ugh, I want me some of that. But again, Mac's not the reason they lost, and I like Mac's development. It all comes down to a ceiling versus floor debate and what it's going to be. Yeah, and I, I think we're on I different ends of this spectrum. Uh, but I don't know yet anymore. I do believe, I think mm-hmm. the floor is Jimmy G, and I think that if he were Jimmy G, people would be pretty disappointed because I don't think you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is carrying you to a – uh, to very far unless you have a spectacular supporting cast around him. So in a league where it really does feel like the quarterback is leading you and is the most important piece, clearly, um, you know, in team I successes. Have less, I have you, less. I, you want to see if he's that guy. That's all. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I have, how do I put this? I have more faith that Mac Jones is better, uh, is that guy then I have faith in the Patriots to find him a wide receiver. That's actually going to, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I, you I, know I, what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I feel like Mac could get there. I feel like Mac has shown us and put on tape that even in his rookie season uh, that we've seen flashes of his ability to be a true top 10 type quarterback that can get you over the hump that can help you compete in the playoffs. But I have zero faith at this point with the Patriots and their ability to evaluate skill players, because not only have they missed on guys like the kill Harry in the draft. Now we've seen Nelson Aguilar. We've seen Johnny Smith. We've seen uh, guys that they've missed on in terms of evaluating pro personnel players. So really the only way that you can come into this system and this offense with this team and be a game changer is if you're Brandon cooks or one week of Antonio Brown, where you just are such a great talent that you, that just overrides everything else that they're going to do to bog you down. Right. The last time that they have actually taken a guy, developed a guy, put him into the system and made him a star is Edelman and Gronkowski. And we're, on, we're a decade away from that. So at some point in time, you got to look at the talent evaluation. You got to look at the player utilization, all of it and say like, what needs to change for them to be able to get, yeah, they need more explosive playmakers. No doubt about it. That from right. a talent evaluation perspective, they need guys that are more explosive. But secondly to that, some of the, like Nelson Aguilar had not over 900 yards last year for the Raiders. He had eight touchdowns. Six of them were over 20 yards in the air. He was an explosive down the field threat for the Vegas Raiders last year. Johnny Smith had nine touchdowns for the Tennessee Titans a year ago. He had almost 500 receiving yards. He was a red zone nightmare for teams. Teams didn't know how to guard him down there. He comes here to New England, and he's a non-factor. Nelson Aguilar comes here to New England, isn't a good deep threat. I don't get it. I don't get it, Evan. I don't get that more than anything else. You handpicked these guys because you saw roles in this offense that you were going to run, and you did nothing with them. I don't get it. Haven't gotten it all year again. It's not the reason they lost tonight, but it is the reason because, again, as you said, they, they yeah, needed they the needed reason. the horses to run with teams, right. and they just couldn't do it. You know, I think the reason that the reason why I'm so offense heavy right now is because 
I can't I look too. at it I all. The, I, I can't look at it all the time and say the defense needs to shut out Josh. Not shut out, but the defense needs to hold Josh Allen to twenty points. You're not going to be able to hold Josh Allen to twenty points every single game. So at some point in time, whether it was in Week 16 or it was this game or whenever, the Patriots' offense was going to have to go toe to toe with a good offense. Whether it was even if they won came here tonight, they turned it into bully ball and they won the game 14 to 10 like they did in Week 13, they were still going to have to go out next week against. Kansas City or against Tennessee or whatever it ends up being and score some freaking points and they can't they can't score the points they can't keep up offensively so uh, I think that's a big part of it too and uh, we can go into the defense too I mean like look there's a lot of issues there but I think the reason why I give the defense a little bit more of a pass is because they weren't at their full complement here tonight they were down a bunch of guys uh, they have been down a bunch of guys in that secondary and I, I look at Christian Barmore being injured. I, I think there's something going on with Matthew Judon. He doesn't want to talk about it, but I think that there's was something uh, ailing him down the stretch of rib he injury. Was, potentially, is one thing he, I, we keep hearing. He's operate. He's half. He's moving at half the speed he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So look at Judon, and uh, he doesn't. He downplayed the ribs um, when we talked to him last week going into this game. But maybe those are a bigger deal than what he wanted to put out there, and you know was kind of trying to do the thing with the the Patriots thing and with the company line, so to speak, with that, and not talk about that. But I don't know if Jalen Mills necessarily makes the difference in the game. I don't think that they get if they're they're fully healthy selves. I don't think they give up 47 points tonight, right? I mean, I just don't like Week 16. They gave up uh, 33 to this Bills team, and one of those touchdowns came late on kind of like a garbage touchdown, right? Garbage time touchdown, right? I, I Josh Allen had four incompletions. He had five touchdown passes. You cannot tell me that if they had Jalen Mills and they had a Christian Barmore at 100% and Kyle Duggar at 100% and Barmore at 100% and all these guys that they would have given up 47 points. Do they still lose? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. they still lose. Do they give yeah. up 47 points? No. No way. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I, and I'm with you, too. It's, it, it, the story is the Bills score seven straight touchdowns um, and the Patriots can't get them off the field. But that's not what's interesting. What's interesting is – the issues with the offense um, that have existed all year long and that are things that you absolutely have to fix, Um, you know, and and you have to get, you got to get the playmakers in here. And it's so funny because I remember when the team was doing well and you guys were talking about it, I I think you and Alex did one podcast where you said both of you will literally like quit the beat if they don't sign a left, if they don't sign an offensive tackle with their first pick in the first round. Uh, or something to that effect does that is your thinking changed i I want them to get a guy i want them to get a guy for mac i do i do i hate i I, I don't know i i I don't want you're like the sense of you're the sensible guy i'm the the, the offensive line guy you've brought evan over to the dark side of the weapons with a z you know okay the reason being is (laughs) is the thing that i the two things that i keep coming back to are number one I just can't potentially – I just can't look at the rest of the playoff picture and see all these other teams that have so all this receiving talent at their disposal, right? And tomorrow, uh, the first game tomorrow, Dallas-San Francisco. How many freaking guys do those two teams have that their quarterbacks can get the ball to? Dallas has CD. They have Amari Cooper. Right? Gallup's hurt. 
and he's a third guy that they normally have. Those two guys are better than anybody on the Patriots, Lamb and Cooper, right? That doesn't count the tight end Dalton Schultz. That doesn't count Zeke and Tony Pollard out of the backfield. San Francisco's got Kittle. They got Debo. They got I'll take, I'll take Cedric. I'll take Cedric Wilson. Yeah, Cedric Wilson's like Kendrick Bourne, right? Like Cedric Wilson's, you know, he's their fifth receiver, but he's, on the Patriots, he'd be their number two or their number three. Yeah. I'm not even joking. So you look I'm at not, all I'm these not. Teams, I'm not. I'm just saying I'll take, you know. Yeah, you look at We haven't even mentioned Bay, IU. Got, you know, we haven't even yeah. mentioned Brandon IU, you know. The, the Green Bay's got Devontae Adams. Dallas has got their guys. San Francisco's got their guys. Tom has got his guys down in Tampa. Uh, you know, all these people have all their dudes, right? They have their guys that Allen's got Diggs and he's got Davis. He's got McKenzie and he's got Knox. He's got Singletary. He's got all these players that can go out there and make plays for him. And, and these Patriots just don't have those guys. And, and the second thing that I thought Burroughs got Chase, so we can talk about that, right? Chase and Higgins and Boyd and Mixon and all these playmakers down in Cincinnati. You can talk about all this. And then you can also talk about the fact that I have a lot of faith remarkably the position that the Patriots can definitely draft is offensive line. Right. So I have a lot of faith that the Patriots will find a left tackle somewhere, whether this it's is, a, this is a the guy. This is where, this is where this, if for you, you could point to the 2019 draft as the thing that sets you back. You may point to the 2020 free agent class as well. You spent that money. You spent it. Now you don't have it. Yeah. Well, so Nelson Aguilar has only got one more year on his contract. Yes. So that one's that they can get out pretty easily, if not this year, then definitely next but offseason. You, but, um, but you're missing. You're, you, you can't keep missing. When, you, when yeah. you spend capital, whether it's money or draft picks, you can't miss this many times. That's what's killing you, you know? Um, and then so you, you, they're going back to the drawing board on something that they've invested capital in. But they don't have five first-round picks and a hundred million dollars to to spend this sure. offseason. So but I, but they, I also they can't wanna, address everything. Okay, they can't address everything. But I also just want to say that I'm done with the damn it, cap excuses. Like Bill got away with that with me for one offseason last year <laughs> with the COVID season because I was like, look, Tom Brady left. Like you're not going to be a good team. Cam Newton's your quarterback. Whatever. In fact, I actually we talked about it on on uh, on here constantly last year that they were too good right they yeah. should have been worse and, and yeah. so they go into that season and, and they they somehow win seven games which was probably a mistake looking back on it but regardless of all of that you you know i i just i, I don't want to hear the excuses that they don't have the cap space because cap space is always manageable like i was reading miguel benzon's twitter past cap a couple days ago and he said that they could convert Matthew Judon's salary into a salary advance and save $7 million on the cap just like that, right? Just like that. So there's a million moves that they can make like that on the salary cap. Now you're you're becoming Felger with the cap is crap. It's not that it's crap. I know. I'm not kidding. I'm I'm, I'm with you. Right? You can do a ton with it. You can do things with it. And you look at teams like the Los Angeles Rams, for instance, that make every trade under the sun. We're going to bring in Von Miller. We're going to bring in Odell Beckham. We're going to bring in Matthew Stafford. And they just do all of it. And they figure it out. They figure out how to pay everybody. They figure out how to spread the money around and all that kind of stuff. Come on, like if Figure Calvin it out. Ridley is, if Calvin right. Ridley, where did Calvin Ridley almost, go to school? I forget. 
So, so I was going to bring it up because Calvin Ridley was apparently their second choice in the 2018 draft. It was between Isaiah Wynn and Calvin Ridley in the first round of the 2018 draft, and they took the linemen because they're the Patriots, and they took but the linemen. But Belichick right? loves second drafting. Yes. So Calvin Ridley was a guy that they liked in the 2018 draft. Now, there's a lot going on with Calvin Ridley off the field that the Patriots are going to have to vet and make sure that he's comfortable with playing and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. a good program to come to for those types of guys. are very regimented, very strict, you know, all those types of things. So there's a chance that it would work here with Calvin Ridley. Great route runner, explosive player, plays inside, plays outside, fits, fits the bill, fits what they want to do, all those types of things. Make it happen. If you feel like that's the guy, then make it happen. And if it takes a first round pick, I don't know, because they're going to have what, like now, probably like the 17th or the 18th, 19th, yeah. something like that uh, draft pick. I don't know if I take a top 20 pick for Calvin Ridley, um, but let somebody else make that mistake, right? Because I don't know if that's going to actually happen. Um, but I don't know. It just. Uh, it's frustrating to watch Mac have to go make water out of wine or wine out of water or whatever but that thing is. And it shouldn't have been this way, uh, considering right. the resources they put in. That's what's frustrating to me is, did these players bust and they weren't who we thought they were? Or did the Patriots fail in figuring out, and fail in figuring out how to use them? Um, some, which is e some of them are definitely bust. You know, Johnny Smith was not the player they thought. They, they thought not only – look, it's funny because I, I remember reading an ESPN article – right before free agency started where they go around and they pull all the executives around the league of the best top, the top 10 tight ends in the NFL, who the top 10 wide receivers are in the NFL. And uh, Johnny Smith was an honorable mention on the tight end list. But the one thing that the scout that was interviewed about it said was he is not a traditional tight end. You have to be creative with the way that you use him. You can't just go ask him to go out there and run routes and expect him to be effective and, and whatnot. And the Patriots thought that that was the player that they were getting. They thought that they were getting a guy that they could say, hey, John, you know, go run eight yards, make a cut, you know, get open at the top of the route, create separation, catch the ball, make a play. That's not who Johnny Smith is. Johnny Smith is a gadget player. Uh, Johnny Smith is a, somebody, a space player is what I would call, somebody that you have to scheme up, and design, and figure out ways to get him the ball in space and let him run. Every single time the Patriots got Johnny the ball in some space this some breathing room on a screen or on a jet sweep or motion or something like that he made a play with the ball he was really good with the ball in his hands all year long they just didn't find ways to get him the ball often enough and, and that's definitely extremely frustrating and I, I don't know I just look at the talent gap in those position groups because I don't I don't know if the Patriots have as much of a massive talent grab uh, gap in let's say a, line the trenches right the offensive and defensive line sure i, I think sure. i think i think they're pretty relatively even there with no depth in the secondary speed in the linebacker core and playmakers on the offensive yeah, side of the ball e easier said than done and then you probably need some depth at uh, offensive tackle it's quite a few the problem is receiver and tackle are premium positions that you have to spend right. either big money on or high draft capital in order to get a difference maker it's, you can yeah. you can maybe plug some holes other places you're not going to go find a micah Parsons, i have faith you, in them be able to you know. find Here's the thing. And they I can find line deeper in drafts. They're good at that. I, 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 they, they can find a tackle 
they can find secondary play. I, I believe in that. They'll find a guy who was like a guard tackle hybrid. Jason, yeah, know. they'll find a they'll find a JC Jackson. They'll find somebody to to plug in the secondary. The problem that I have is two things. One, I, they can't pick a receiver, whether it's pro receivers or college receivers, unless they go out and they give up the bank for a all pro t- like a Devontae Adams, which isn't happening. I'm just saying, like, unless it's, he's somebody that's that good, uh, translating him and getting him in here and integrating him in here and making that work is problematic. And the second thing is, I don't know if Bill will quit the thumping linebackers. I don't know if he will quit the, the Bentleys and the high towers and the Van Noys and these 250, 260 linebackers. I, I don't know if he will quit them. And his response to all of that, instead of drafting these, like, cause they've had plenty of opportunities to draft those types of guys, uh, you know, like a Patrick queen in, in Baltimore sitting right there. They could have had them uh, guys like that, but you look at all this and I, they their response to it is we're going to play Kyle Duggar there. That's we're the point. Play they play the Phillips big safeties. They big right. Nickel they play it. these right. hybrid dip, yeah. big safeties there. But the problem is, is that those guys can still get run over by these spread offenses, right? Buffalo can still run those guys over. Last week, Miami ran over Adrian Phillips really, really badly on a third down play. It wasn't his fault. He, he had, you know, had two guys blockers coming right at him. But if you're Adrian Phillips and you're sitting there in the box and you're 220 pounds and you have a tackle that's 300 pounds coming up to, to come up to you at the second level, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? So you got to get some guys in here, you know, like, like the Bills linebackers have or some of these other players that are able to take on blocks but also have the speed to play in the passing game. And those right. guys don't grow on trees, but they're they're becoming more and more regular because the college teams are looking for them. Right, the college teams need them as well, probably more so than the NFL teams. So, I, I think that that's a big thing too. And you know, I see people in the chat saying we're letting Josh McDaniels off the hook. I think we bashed my Josh McDaniels for the last forty-five I, yeah. minutes. So I'm not I, I, sure I, about that. <laughs> like, I mean, but not not specifically by name. I am interested here because I'll throw it out there. Is again, we put a lot of it on Bill because I think McDaniels, you know. Everything is happening under Bill's watch and Bill's umbrella right. here, you know? And, like, if he wanted to see more out of Jonu Smith, they'd get more out of Jonu Smith. I'm not putting all of that necessarily on McDaniels. But what do you think about McDaniels in general uh, and the job that he did uh, with this offense? We, we we have all season talked about a little bit too conservative, uh, playing not to lose at times. It cost them games uh, along the way. They'd never really put the ball in Max hands and let him operate. They had massive protection issues, you know, that they dealt with as well uh, early in the year, which was obviously part of the reason why. And yeah. you have to, re- you have to remember that. I felt like everything was baby steps um, because they were just worried about getting killed. Um, you know, I, it seems so long ago, but that was a huge problem for so long um, that, it took almost into, you know, halfway point of the season to kind of even get past that. But McDaniels is now theoretically a, a hot name out there for a couple of coaching yeah. jobs. I don't buy it um, for a multitude of reasons, but I mean, how, uh, how you know, what's hit, what's the perception of McDaniel around the league now watching how yeah. the Patriots season ended? 
definitely lost some luster there, right? I mean, right. at one point in time, I'm talking to people around the league, and they're saying, wow, look at what McDaniels has done with Mac Jones. With- they have managed this situation so perfectly, and they brought him along so perfectly, and they're putting on a master class of how to develop a rookie quarterback, and every team's going to want a piece of that. And if you're Chicago, like, how could you not want that for Justin Fields and all this kind of stuff? But when I look at the issue that I, I think that I have with McDaniels most is that it goes back to something that Bill Parcells said years ago with the Patriots, and that is that if you're the guy that's cooking the meal, but you're not picking the groceries, it becomes very difficult, right? Because there's very specific things that work in your system and work in the teams that you run that you specifically need for your offense and your system to excel. And the biggest concern that I have with Josh McDaniels was, and and this was a, a situation that happened with the team last year as well, even though they had that Cam Newton package in there where they had some design quarterback runs, it was very elementary. Like every single high school team in the country ran some of the stuff that they were running last year with Cam, which isn't a problem if you're really good at it, right? Whatever. But I'm just saying like, you could go down to literally, you could go down to like my, my old high school, go down to Needham high school and they run QB power. Like this is not, you're not reinventing the wheel by putting QB power into your game plan. So the problem that I have with McDaniels, even with Cam last year, and now you hoped with Mac that you were just going to put him in and he was going to be the guy that could push all the buttons, is that he runs his system and that's it. He runs it his way. He runs what he runs. And it's your job as Johnny Smith. It's your job as Kendrick Bourne. It's your job as Nelson Aguilar and so on and so forth to fit the role. And there's, there's very little adaptation. Uh, there's very little just creativity in terms of thinking outside the box from the scheme that they go out there and they run. So I, I that's my problem with McDaniels is that he takes a player like Johnny Smith, who clearly has NFL talent and clearly was a good player for Tennessee and gets nothing out of it because Johnny Smith doesn't fit the mold of a Patriots tight end. He doesn't fit the the description. He doesn't fit the skill set. He doesn't fit the role. And if I'm you have to be able to adapt to your personnel. So you have one of two choices with Josh McDaniels. Either you go out there and you plug every single player that you plug in needs to be an exact carbon copy of what Josh McDaniels is looking for, or you have to change the system. It's one of those two things. The Patriots are not changing the system. They're never going to change the offensive system as long as Bill Belichick's the head coach. This is the system. So they have to do a better job of talent evaluating the players that are going to fit into this scheme, because I think certain guys do, but at the same time, a guy like Kendrick Bourne is probably their most explosive offensive player. And I know that I say that and people are like, the fact that Kendrick Bourne is your most explosive offensive player is ridiculous, but Kendrick Bourne is probably your most explosive offensive player. And they couldn't get him the ball enough because he wasn't, able to pick up enough of the system to play him more and to give him more touches. He's run, you know, down in Miami last week, he's running wrong, the incorrect routes, right? Max alert, alert on cover zero blitz. And he's running into people, right? He doesn't know where to go. So that's the biggest problem that I see with Josh McDaniels offense. And it's, is that it's difficult for them to plug players into the system that he wants to run. And therefore it's difficult for their offense to kind of adapt around new players and things like that i think there is a chance and it's a little bit of a chance but i think there's a chance that a guy like johnny smith 
could be good next year for the Patriots or better. At least it can't be worse, right? So there's a chance it could be better, but he's just a round hole in a square peg. Somebody's and... got to, somebody has to look in the mirror at some point and, and, and say, I don't, I like, I need help. Like if, if like, I need somebody yeah. tell me what to do. Like we didn't figure out what to do with John o. Smith and Nelson Aguilar. Somebody tell me what to do with these guys to make them useful for this team. You know, like I, I thought I knew what I was getting when I got them and I was wrong. So help me, you know, like it's the institutional yeah. thinking that I think is difficult here. And as you said, the multiple things, getting away from the thumpers at linebacker insistence right. on playing, you know, veterans, you know, and the Van Noys and the, you know, whatever it is and, and, and benching the Winoviches and, and whatever, and not, you know, uh, you know, letting the younger players play. And that was Josh something Uche, we saw last yeah. year, the Uche, um, uh, you know, and yeah. just what Bill Uche, feels... you come into training camp and Uche is like one of the best players on the field by far. And, and, and then gone, over gone, the gone a ghost. doesn't play. Yeah. A ghost. Mm -hmm. And so like Bill has to learn to get uncomfortable. Um, you know, and, and that's something we haven't seen him do is go. The thing I keep doing might not necessarily work. So maybe I got to try to do something different. I don't know exactly what that is, but whether it's yeah. in the type of personnel that you pick or how you deploy that personnel, but this just felt tired, particularly down the stretch, everything we saw from this team, it felt tired. It felt recycled. It didn't feel like there was anything happening um, that gave you kind of hope that they were, I mean, they were going in the wrong direction before they even got yeah. to the playoffs and had been for a while. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to end on this. That's a good point to wrap up on. I do think that there's going to be, I do think there's going to be consequences for how this season ended. Uh, you lose four games uh, in the final five. You lose 47 to 17 in the playoff game. Somebody, you know, you don't, you don't just run it back when you lose by 40 points in the playoff game, right? Like you, that doesn't just have 30 points. It, that doesn't happen. And honestly, 47, 17 was putting it lightly. Like I, I think it was worse than 47, 17 in reality. It so, was. When I look at, look, there's a lot of conversations that the team has to have from a talent evaluation standpoint, from a, an approach personnel-wise that we just discussed for ad nauseum. The other conversation that I do think that they will have uh, here shortly when they do do their autopsy of the team and talk internally, the coaching staff need, needs to look at itself in the mirror uh, long and hard and make some t difficult decisions. Now, you talk about McDaniels. I don't know if he's one of them. I don't think he is one of them unless he's getting a head coaching job. Is he more likely jumped. to get a head coaching job or get fired? I think he's probably more likely to get a – he's not going to get fired. I don't think I, he's, I think he's more likely either. to get a head coaching job. So I think that if you ask me, the the only thing that I could potentially see from McDaniels is if he thinks this is the Titanic and he jumps on a lifeboat as, as quickly as he can by taking a job someplace else, right? And that's the only thing that I can think of with him. But I think Jock Mayo has a very, very good chance of getting the job in Houston if Brian Flores doesn't take that job. So maybe he's out. But whether, you know, first of all, Cam McCord, the special teams coordinator, has got to be on the hottest seat out of everybody. Like there's a very good chance that that how, judge is How about job Steve? Next year. Steve is the hard one, right? Because, like, Steve's job should be in jeopardy. Like, it, I think that there's definitely everybody can see the case to be made to demote Steve to back to just being a regular run-of-the-mill position coach and take some of the responsibility away from him. I, it's 
clear as day to all of us. The problem is, is obviously the dynamic of him being the coach's son, but also uh, the dynamic of who you're t- everybody in the chat that's screaming for Brian Flores. Stop dreaming. He's not coming back. <laughs> Brian Flores is going to be a head coach someplace in the NFL He's gonna, next year. Right. Be, you know, no, what, pe- what people are saying in the chat is Bill moves upstairs and Flores coaches. No, Bill's the problem with Bill. <laughs> the problem with Bill is not him up. Is not downstairs. It's upstairs. Yeah, it's upstairs right? right? Like, yeah, like he's good downstairs. Bill needs someone to shop for the groceries. And, right, you know, he right. Just, he, he needs to give to more power to Dave Ziegler or whatever the case may be. Would it be? But, would it, I mean, is Joe Judge a, a mortal lock to return? I, I think Joe Judge is a very good lock to return. And yeah. not only could he coach special teams, but there are also rumors that he was going to be the offensive coordinator. If Josh yeah. McDaniels had left. And Seth or a receivers like coach, right. Right. So maybe he can help out on offense. He can help out on special teams and just be a more professional approach to those two areas of the team for them and give Josh McDaniels some help. I think one of the big things that uh, Josh McDaniels has struggled with over the last couple of years is they lost Chad O'Shea when Brian Flores went down to Miami, took O'Shea with him as his offensive coordinator O'Shea was the red zone guy he was the guy that worked on red zone every single week red zone passing I mean uh most of the time Ivan Fears handles handles the red zone rushing uh part of the game plan Chad O'Shea was the red zone passing part of the game plan I don't know where that went since then right I don't know where where that's that jurisdiction lies now Uh, but maybe that is a situation where Joe Judge can come back and give some insight on how to coach up the red zone uh, i think joe judge can certainly help them with special teams but i want to go back to the defense for the problem uh, for a second the problem with the defense is that you are picking between two people here and i know that everybody wants to bring up brian flores again brian flores is not only going to be a head coach next year brian flores has the pick of where he wants to be the a head coach next year whether right. it's, it's chicago it's houston these teams he's are, the number uh, one choice new, on uh, about four destinations right now yeah the, the new york giants all these teams want brian flores so he's gonna be a head coach next year the problem that you have is that it's either steve or it's matt patricia that's it those are the two guys and right now from what i understand they pretty much run the defense already Right. Those are those are pretty much the two guys that are running the defense. Uh, Patricia, more from a bird's eye head coaching type of perspective on the defense. Steve, a little bit more in the weeds, play calling. And then Gerard sprinkling in there as well. But those three guys are the guys that are running your defense already. So giving more responsibility or more of the say to Matt Patricia or giving more of the say or more of the responsibility to Steve, you're already doing it like it's already doing it. So. I don't know where the fresh blood comes from on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if it's Bill taking back the reins on that side of the ball and saying, this is my defense now. And you guys are just going to shut up and listen to dad. Like, I don't know, but I don't know where the defense goes from here. I think that's probably the most troubling thing from a coaching perspective because they make a mistake about it. Today was talent. Today was a roster issue. Today was the fact that the bills are a better team than you, but week 16, it wasn't like that. They got out coached week 15 against uh, Indianapolis out coached uh, last week against Miami out coached out schemed out scripted out game plan, whatever you want to call it out coached. And I just don't know where they go on that side of the football, but the yeah. coaching, it, the only thing that, that makes any hope or any semblance of hope is if Bill takes back the reins full time and basically becomes the defensive coordinator and lets Josh run the offense without much interference because he's so focused on the defense and they go that whole route, right? Where right. it's basically like, Josh, you got the offense, I got the defense, let's do this. But 
I, I don't know. Steve is not going anywhere. He's not going to be fired, obviously. But the best possible thing potentially would be to vote Steve back to, you know, regular status, right? Like put him back at outside linebacker coach or something like that with his brother, you know? So right. it just something like that is, is where this needs to go. But I don't know if they'll do it. I don't know if they'll do it. Man, Genie. Yeah, right. That's what we got in the chat here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The guy that almost got into a fist fight with Bill Belichick at the owner's <laughs> meeting is going to come back and coach the defense. Yeah. Uh, I don't um, know. Maybe, maybe, of... maybe it's a guy like Romeo Cornell that comes in and maybe doesn't run the defense from a D.C.'s perspective, but is like an advisor, right? It's just a, the father an, figure. An adult yeah. in the room, right? Yeah. You know, somebody that like you know, keeps the train on the tracks. That was supposedly supposed to be Patricia. But I think that he is as clueless as the rest of them. So yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. know. All these game plans, these let's not pressure Josh Allen. Let's sit there and like bait, try to bait him into making mistakes and wait for. But I mean that just that's obvious. Matty that, P all written all over. Of it. course, yeah. but it just it goes to show how terrified they were in their secondary, right? <laughs> you know that they they're just afraid to bring any pressure at all. So um, yeah. that's what it was. I don't know. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough night. It's a tough night. It's a tough autopsy. I'm, I'm trying to be as as calm and rational about the whole thing as I can. But it's, it's a, it's not a calm and rational situation because as we started the show, we can wrap it on this. Like, I don't know. I wish I could sit here and say to everybody, the Patriots are going to be fine, and in two years they're going to be back in the Super Bowl, and everything's going to be all hunky dory. I honestly don't know if yeah, this that's team the thing. is ever going to be there again. I don't. Somebody, everybody, Patriots fans right now just want someone to hold them and tell them everything is going to be all right. I you know? can't. I can't and be that can't, person. I'm you sorry. Can't, you can't because there is no guarantee. It's success is not guaranteed, and that's the difficult thing. Is will it get better? Maybe you know, it, but yeah. it isn't. I think there was that brief little moment, that feeling when everybody jumped on that Pat's bandwagon, and it was going to be Brady. Brady Patriots Super Bowl and here we go and they turned it around so fast and you're like oh good it only took a year well it's gonna take longer than that that's the reality check that they yeah got they were nine the and four they yep. were the number one seed in the AFC look I, the one thing that I'm gonna go digging on that I really hope that I can try to get some some answers out of some people off the record is what the heck happened during that bye week like clearly there was some sort of switch that was flipped during that bye week and I do wonder if we will find out by some sort of domino that's about to fall on us, right. That was kept under wraps because it is the Patriots. And we might not know that Josh McDaniels is taking a head coaching job or uh, Gerard Mayo is already taking a head coach or whatever. Like we don't know something's, you know, whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, guess, but something clearly happened from a, from a vibe, from a mojo, from a confidence, energy, focus, all the, all something clearly happened during that bye week that set this team up for failure. Down what happened is I, again, you, you don't always get these autopsies. I guess we have to wait right. for another Wickersham book, you right. know? Like, well, so I can tell you what happened in 2019. So I'm hoping that I can maybe tell you what happened <laughs> this year, you know, 2019, the Patriots had a practice on Christmas day, full yes. padded practice yeah. and on everyone Christmas was like, day. You know, Everybody was miffed at F Bill. This guy. Yeah. yeah, they go and they have a full padded practice on Christmas Day. And then they go ahead and they play the Dolphins in Week 17. They're still a little bit fatigued from the padded practice 
because they just smashed heads against each other for two hours on Wednesday, and then Bill puts them out there in Week 17, thinking that they're going to beat the Dolphins and get the bye, and, and you know everything will be fine. They end up losing that game, and then the whole house of cards comes crashing down. So there's some sort of thing that like that. You know, during the bye week, the Patriots didn't practice. It was a surprise to all of us. They didn't practice. They were in the facility. They did, had meetings. They had the media availability, all that kind of stuff. But they never actually got out on the field and held a practice. And that was very surprising to us. So maybe the fact that they didn't keep that momentum rolling through the bye and they didn't get out there and practice, they got sloppy. Some of their bad techniques and fundamentals started to creep back in. And But I, that explains the losses to the Colts and the Bills the first time around, right? Like we 15 and 16, that explains it. But once you go out there and you beat the doors off of Jacksonville, that should have exercised some of those things and you should move on eventually as a team. Like just because you didn't practice during the bye week shouldn't bury your team. So my question is, is what happened? Because there's something bigger than just they didn't practice during the bye. It's got to be something Great. bigger. Than I can't that. wait till we, I can't we'll wait till we hang up here and you tell me your theories because you don't want to go on the record with them right now. Um, <laughs> so we are going to wrap it. We've been going an hour strong. Evan is in yes. Buffalo. He still has a ton to do. It's obviously well into the next day, 1.30 a.m. So, um, you know, he's got to get working. Uh, we want to. You know, on behalf of everyone at CLNS, thank everybody who watched us throughout the year, whether it was a post-game show or just any and all of our Patriots coverage. Obviously, Evan Lazar is delivering the bulk of that with the Patriots Beat podcast and his daily reporting from Foxborough. Um, I know it'll sound self-serving uh, because, you know, this is CLNS and this is what we're about, but there's no better Patriots reporter in the market. Uh, and I'm sure most of you guys who are watching know this and that's why you're watching. You're not watching for me. Um, and I'm fine with that. But uh, if you don't follow Evan Lazar already, you're missing out on the best Patriots analysis in town. So you should um, follow us over here at Patriots uh, press pass on our YouTube channel uh, for a ton of, post-mortem stuff which we're going to do all next week and we're going to start talking about the offseason almost right away i mean we started even tonight um there's a ton of things that the patriots need to do we'll continue to follow other teams in the playoffs we might even adopt the cincinnati bengals and see maybe we can get drags on here too and yeah, make it a reunion that. yeah yes. um but there's plenty more coverage to come um so Evan, i don't know if you want to say uh thank you to the viewers before we before we sign it off yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. It's been a lot of fun. I wish we could keep going and, and keep doing these, but it's been a hell of a ride, at least so far uh, this season. And I can't thank you guys enough. The reason why we can continue to be able to do this and bring all these shows to you and I get to come here to Buffalo and watch playoff games and stuff like that is because you guys keep coming back and keep watching. So we, we really appreciate it. And for those asking in the chat, Patriots beat Monday afternoon with Alex Barth. Alex is dejected. He's very upset. Uh, he's going to be uh, <laughs> come out guns blazing. He just told me in a text message that he can't even think about the offseason yet because he's just so dejected as to what just witnessed on the field. So you know that that's going to be a fun one. So Patriots be on Monday afternoon, and we're going to have plenty of offseason coverage. Like, we're not, I'm not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Uh, there's going to be, we're going to keep it rolling. There's going to be plenty yeah. of offseason stuff to talk about. Don't worry about we that. We cook in the off season. That's 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 we sometimes do. when we're at our best. Yes. Uh, I want to thank Richard Simmons, uh, all five of you, 
I'm going to block this guy again. Yeah. Bye <laughs> uh, for joining the chat. Thanks, buddy. Um, but everybody else, again, thank you uh, for hanging out. And as we said, uh, head over to CLNS Media. I have a full write-up of uh, stuff from tonight and then a breakdown uh, and more post-mortem uh, reaction to the game. Film reviews coming up as well. Just what went down. There's not a lot to – I don't know how extensive you're going to get into the film here. It was bad. It was bad early. It, really, it was bad middle. I might, it was bad I'll late. probably watch Mac and, and take some things away from, from some of the things that he did. But right. to be honest with you, this was a talent over – yeah, they just, this wasn't yeah. about scheme. This wasn't about scheme. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's it. Uh, all right, good season, guys. We will see you very soon. As we said, more Patriots coverage coming out uh, throughout the weekend and into next week and then just through the entire offseason. So stick with us.